So, Francesca, I have a piece of trivia for you. I'm going to ask you a question and we'll see if you can answer it, okay? Okay. Do you know what net decking is? A net deck. No, but should I guess? Sure, you can guess. Well, I think it has to do with Netrunner. No, but <laughs> it, it doesn't really have anything to do specifically with Netrunner, although you oh. can net deck in Netrunner. Is it a magic thing? It's anything. It's any card game like that. It's going and looking at the highest rated decks from tournaments. Like mm-hmm. everyone has to submit what cards are in their deck to make sure all the decks are legal. Mm-hmm. And then people take the winning decks and the really the best decks and they copy them. And that's what it means to net deck. They basically look up oh. decks on the internet, which is something that I made a conscious decision not to do just because I felt like I didn't want to be influenced. Um, yeah. Well, you kind of want to, part of the game is coming up with your own. The only reason I ask is because I'm titling this episode, Net Deck the Halls. Oh, I like it. It's <laughs> pretty good. It doesn't really have anything to do. We're not talking about net decking today, so I just didn't, well, I didn't know. We're, no, we're not. Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. My name's Chris Heine. And I'm Francesca Butchko. Before we get started, I just want to mention a few things to get these out of the way so I don't forget them later. Uh, this Friday, which is really close because this podcast is going out a little late, uh, this Friday is Bowerbird, the opening for reception for Bowerbird, which is an awesome collection of of people's collections. It's all sorts of really cool, esoteric collections that people have done. Francesca, you have a piece in the show? I do, and so do you. Do you want to spoil what your oh, collection is? Oh, sure. I'll go ahead. Everybody now everyone knows. I did podcasts because okay. I have a, an extensive podcast collection. And I noticed on your piece you have a Netrunner podcast. I do, and I listened to it today, and I love it. It's so That's good. good. I've been telling you to listen to that podcast forever, and then I know. for a while, I don't think you did, and then, and then oh, I love it so much. jumped on it. I'm kind of jealous that they, uh, there's already a really good Netrunner podcast because I could talk about it all There's a long. few of them, but that one's my favorite one. Do you want to mention it by name just for anyone who's interested? Uh, it is uh, Terminal 7 mm-hmm. and... That's probably all you need names. to say. Yeah. Okay. And you also have a postcard in the show. I do. Which is and also relevant. Mine is very relevant to today's discussion because it is all... Not all of them, but it's a big giant collection of beautiful dice. And they are they're all really laid out pretty. in a rainbow um rainbow display and it it was it took forever to do but it was totally fun so um if you like looking at all the different kinds of beautiful dice check that one out plus if you like board games it's fun to guess which ones go yeah i should make that a quiz at the opening you'd be like you should get a super surprise man i wish i could be there yeah and the opening is this friday december 4th um and it will be up for a while jenny will have to let you know when it actually comes down but it will be up through next year um, so if you're in the Minneapolis area on December 4th, stop on by. And if you're not, check out the online store, check it out, the online gallery. You'll see all the artwork there. It's, it's a lot of really cool stuff. The next thing that's coming up is a game night on December 10th. The theme is ice cold. So pretty fitting. I came back from Thanksgiving and, and to a lot of snow. So mm-hmm. very timely, but that's cool. I like it. I was happy. I, did too. I actually do too. Uh, and then just <laughs> to let you know. I don't have it. Yeah. Well, then. Oh, you don't have it at all? No, none. Okay. Well, sucks to be you. It, it's actually green. <laughs> it's it's more green now than it has been all year. Oh, that's weird. So, mm-hmm. That's how it works here. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, the next game night after December 10th 
is December 17th, which is a little bit out of the ordinary, but I'll just say that. The theme for that one is helping out to get in the uh, holiday spirit. We're going to be playing games where we are working together. I have a big list of games, but I forget what they are. Um, The other thing that's coming up is the cookie party on December 13th. So if you're in the Minneapolis area on that day, which is a Sunday, we will be making tons of cookies, bringing them and sharing them and eating them, and you will be cookied out. So make sure to stop by. Um, Check the blog for the hours. I believe it is one to three, but that, that could be wrong. So check the blog for that. And that's it. So it's just the two of us again. Uh, Mm -hmm. The holidays are here and people are busy. Jenny is in the cold, warm Missouri. I don't know if it's warm or cold. I know there was a snowstorm going on she was worried about. So maybe Jenny can fill us on that next week. But Lindsay is uh, busy running around preparing for the Bowerbird opening, which opens next Friday. So it's just you and I, Francesca, Mm -hmm. once again. And of course, whenever we're alone, what do we talk about? Games. That's right. And so, it's Thanksgiving, so that means all the games. Yeah, well, that's what I had hoped, but mine didn't work out quite like that, but it was it was close. It was pretty good. One of my two Thanksgivings was filled with games and merriment, and the other one was filled with babies. I'm surprised you wouldn't play games with babies, because babies love games. Well, we did actually play a game. There's now the babies outnumber the family. There's five babies and four of us. And you put the babies on one team? <laughs> no. Well, I just mean the babies get more attention. So they're all running around screaming and I'm doing wrestling moves to them and stuff like that. And then uh, we just never have a chance to break out. I don't even want them to touch my board games because they're full I, of germs and stuff. But thematically, I only played baby games on Thanksgiving. So, <laughs> Well, I did so too. Mine. mine is a real baby game. I'll tell you about this game really quick because I don't know if I've told you about it. It's called... No, I don't know you did any baby games. I buy... Um, board games for all of my siblings nephews or i guess i'm sorry my nephews and nieces for their birthdays and christmas and stuff like that and i i always make sure to find games that will be really fun for everyone to play regardless of the age because um i one time had to go to my sister's house and we played Candyland, and and she was bored and i was bored and i was like this sucks you guys need some board games um, so the one that we brought or the one that I gave them earlier this year, but they brought to Thanksgiving that we played is called dancing eggs. Have you ever heard of this? Did I tell you about this? You did tell me about this and okay. that actually sounds fun. Well, I'll just tell everyone else because they should hear too. But, uh, yeah. dancing eggs is a game published by Haba. And basically what it is, is it's a bunch of these kind of like heavy rubber eggs. Like if you, pe- if you threw them at somebody, it would like leave a bruise. They're like heavy and, and it's rubber. like a rubber solid. Egg. Yeah, it's like a solid rubber egg. And there's like probably 10 or 12, 11 of those. And then one wooden egg that is hard, solid wood. Uh, it looks exactly like the other ones except for it's wood. And what you do is you roll these two big chunky dice. And on one of the dice, it has an action that everyone has to perform. And on the other dice, it has a body part. So what you do is you roll the dice and first you look at the action. And the action might be to grab the dice as fast as possible run around the table, um, do all sorts of things, do all sorts of weird things. One is um, throw the egg at the table and, and then it bounces all weird because it's egg-shaped and everyone has to run and chase it and pick it up. Uh, and then whoever wins the little activity has to take one of the eggs and they can choose if they want a rubber one or a wood one and put it in the body part that is displayed on the second dice. So it might be in the crook of their arm, like in their elbow, or it might be under their chin, or it might be between their knees. Uh, and once you have an egg, you have to keep it there for the rest of the game. 
Uh, the first time anybody drops an egg, the game's over. So then you have to, eventually you have like eggs tucked under your arms and eggs tucked under your chin and you have one between your legs and you're trying to run around the table, you know, hopping around. Uh, and then as soon as anybody drops one, the game's over and however many eggs you're holding is however many points you get. And basically they're all worth one, except for the wood one is worth two because it's slippery and, and harder to, it's, um, harder to hold on to. See, I'm hoping that this is, uh, like hearkening back to a game where back in the olden days they played with real eggs. That would <laughs> I, be amazing. It may be. I, it, it does. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like, what are those races where you have an egg on a spoon or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. You put a teaspoon and then you have to put it in your mouth and then run with it or something. I, yeah. I don't know how well it would work with real eggs though. Cause all you're doing is like smashing them and doing horrible things to them. So I'm playing with kids who are ranged, uh, I guess like two to six or something. Yeah. Um, so the six year olds, they got it. They're good. They're in the game. Um, and then the two-year-olds, like when it's time to run around the table, they just like leave and start running <laughs> around the entire house. And then we'll be like three rounds later and they'll like come flying past the table again, screaming. And then, uh, so they've never won, but they have gotten an egg or two. And then whenever they get an egg, they just hold it. And then I'm like, put it in your elbow. And then they put it in their elbow and then they just keep holding it in their hand. And I'm like, good enough, whatever, let's go. <laughs> it's it's a ton of fun though. I really recommend it. And I kind of want to get it. I've thought about getting it just for me. Right. And then I'm like, who would I play that with? I feel like... Kari and Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, but I'll probably save it for the nephews and nieces. But it's fun enough that if you had the right group of people, and I feel like if you were the type of people who do a lot of... Uh, alcoholic beverage consumption or something like that oh, yeah. it probably would be a lot of fun but uh we have a lot of cats so they'll probably get crushed if we try and play a game like that in our house yeah i also think it'd be funny except probably not funny if you gave atari something that looked like an egg he'd probably think it was an egg they just choke on it and die no <laughs> but but i feel like ha- he eats eggshells so yes he would eat it <laughs> like <Yeah>. a raptor <laughs> Speaking of visiting relatives, um, a lot of times when I do go visit relatives, I bring a sack full of games. Uh, Like I said, we don't usually end up playing them because there's so many children present. But when I stay for a longer extended period of time and there's time at nights when the children go to bed, a lot of times we break out some games and it's, it's super fun just to have those kind of at the ready. And over the years, I've kind of built up a collection of games that are are really good to play quickly to to teach my family who aren't like super hardcore strategy gamers or anything like that. So yeah, so I thought maybe I would make a list and you could make a list and we could share our list of uh, like Ray Art Lab approved family fun games. This and, is perfect because I like to do the same thing except I don't bring a sack of games. I bring like one. I bring like three sacks. I usually bring like three Ikea bags full of games. And then we play one of them, but I was like, whatever. They have options. They have options. And then sometimes I make my brother sit down and I just explain the rules of games. And then I'm like, we're not going to play this one, but let me tell you all about it. And then. (laughs) Does he have a favorite game? Is it going to be in your list of games? I don't know. I just taught him code names, which we talked about on last podcast, Mm -hmm. the last board game podcast we did. And he really liked it. In fact, I, I showed it to him. Um, and we actually did kind of play a little bit, but we only played one-on-one cause it was really late. So he didn't really get the full gist, but he got pretty much a really good idea. And he's like, that seems really fun. And then I was like, here, just take mine. And I gave it to him. And then he, Aww. he was playing games with his friends on Tuesday. Like he started a little game group with his friends. Oh, that's fun. 
Yeah, and he and he played it, and he said it was a humongous hit. So Codenames is definitely one that would have been on my list if I didn't already talk about it on the last podcast. So yeah, that's a free. He likes word games too, right? I think you. Told yeah, me. he's like a smart guy. Yeah, a smart guy. He's like one of those smart guys, and I'm, he likes to write. I'm a dummy. I want to roll some dice, and I want to smack some aliens or something. I guess goblins. Goblins, yeah, whatever. Anyway, I came up with. I told Francesca to make a list of three. And then I sat down to make my list, and I think I ended up with, I'm not looking at it right now, but probably... It was like 15 or 20. Yeah, 15 or 20. Um, so I increased the size to five, because then I figured I could I could shrink it down. So how many are you doing? I'm going to do five. Okay. But I might cram my first three into a smaller chunk. Uh, well, then um, I will go first, I guess, since okay. I... Are we going to go back and forth, or are you going to... Yeah, I'll go back and forth. We'll go back and forth. Okay. And I will start, and I'm going to start with Sheriff of Nottingham. Okay. Which, have you played that one? I have not played this one, so I'm interested. Wow, really? Man, you've been gone for so long. I know. That's <laughs> All right, good. well, Sheriff of Nottingham is a really good game. It's a great uh, game to play with, um, you know, people who aren't that into games, because really, all you're doing, it's a bluffing game. What kind of really makes this game is the components, I think. You are merchants trying to bring your goods into the city, but there's a checkpoint where you have to uh, declare what you're bringing into the city to the sheriff of Nottingham. And so every round you are taking cards and you're kind of are drawing these cards at random, but you have a, you have one chance to get rid of some cards and draw some new cards. So you can kind of try and get a little better hand, but you can take uh, goods and put them in this little velvet envelope with a, with a snap on it. And you load your goods bag up with uh, with goods. And those are, again, apples. They're like apples, breads, chickens. Wait, are these tiny little pieces? No, they're cards. They're cards with drawings on them. Okay. So those are like the legal goods. But then there's also illegal goods. Horrible things like pepper and silk <laughs> and blue cheese. <laughs> Wait, why are, they, why are these illegal? <laughs> I don't know. But And then crossbows. So the illegal goods are like <laughs> silk pepper and crossbows basically and then there's like super luxurious goods of of the you know like a super cheese that that counts more at the end of the game but it's also illegal because it's so decadent i guess yeah it's like a black black market yeah so um so basically you're loading this bag full of goods and you can load up to i think like six goods in there okay and then what you're supposed to do quote unquote supposed to do load up all of one type of good so maybe you load up four apples and then you snap the little bag closed and you give it to the sheriff and everyone takes it uh, basically takes a turn being the sheriff. Mm-hmm. You give it to the sheriff and you say, sheriff, I have four apples in this bag. And then the next person says, sheriff, I have three chickens. And then the next person says, sheriff, I have two bread and everyone declares what they have. And then the sheriff gets to in any order he chooses and any way he wants to, he basically decides if you're lying or if you're not lying. And this is a free negotiation round where basically um, he can say, I'm going to look in your bag and maybe you have snuck contraband in there and you just didn't, uh, you can't declare it. You can never declare that you have stolen anything. So you have to declare legal goods. So basically uh, if he thinks that you have something illegal or something shady is going on, he can, he can sure. I I think I might look in this bag. Do you want me to, or uh, are you going to pay me some sweet coin to not look in it? And uh, it's basically at that point, kind of a bluffing contest 
of who's going to back down. But the fun part is they have these little velvety bags with snaps and you can do... I know, I was going to say, I haven't can, seen those. Oh yeah, you can do anything you want and you can negotiate for money. You can say, if you if you let me through, I'll give you two of the apples out of my bag um, and they can add it to their markets because everyone has their own market. They just have spend one round being the sheriff. And, um, and whatever you say is like, you have to follow through on. So if you say, I'm going to give you three gold coins not to look in my bag, you have to give him three gold coins if he doesn't look in your bag. But if you said, I'll give you one of the apples I'm bringing through, and then you get through and you did not bring any apples through, then you don't owe him anything. So you can so, kind of negotiate about what you want to give him. And then he can just, the minute that bag gets snapped open, all negotiations are off. So there's like, whenever anybody is being the sheriff, they're kind of like tugging at the at the little pouch and being like, oh, I think I might want to look in here. And then (laughs) the way people react are really different. (laughs) And that's a lot of the fun because some people like really trying to drive a hard bargain. Some people cave immediately. And the sheriff is like, so you had had three apples in here? And they're like, I'll give you $6 not to open it. And then they're like, okay, (laughs) so... (laughs) Um, and then sometimes I, I was, I had, I had this round where I was smuggling tons of things in, um, and like a deck in there. Yeah. I had a, well, I had all these bad things in there and I was preparing to be like, Oh, I'll give her this much money, you know? And then before it was, I was playing with Jenny and before she even asked, she just was like, Nope. And she opened it. And I was like, and I just screamed and we were in the middle of a game night and I was like, you didn't even give me a chance to, and I was just like, this is, this is a nightmare. This is the worst. So. I could see Jenny not like every time saying nope and nope. And nope. <laughs> well, the funny part about this game is you can be 100% honest through the entire game and win. So you don't have to bluff. No, it, it, I can see where you don't have a to. A good bluffer but... will beat somebody who's honest all the time, but also a bad liar, if they are always trying to lie, is going to end up being in a really bad position as well. So yeah. Uh, it's just a really fun game. Um, it gives you a lot of chance for just like role playing and uh, and just doing a lot of negotiation and and it's just a lot of fun. Um, it's a pretty simple game. I wish the rules were slightly slightly more streamlined. I think the rule book is kind of in a really weird layout. I can never find what I want to find. But um, once you know how to play it, you don't need to look at the rule book anymore because it's it's really straightforward. But um, it's a lot of fun. So basically, all you're trying to do is get the most good smuggled through whoever has the most uh value at the end of the game in their little stall of goods wins so it's really fun and um yeah whenever i play it with everyone there's usually a lot of not heated arguments but it's a it's a kind of an argumentative smack talking kind of game yeah it sounds like a less stressful resistance Maybe, kind of. Yeah, it kind of is, except for no one's working against you. Like, Resistance is two teams, and someone is a spy who's, like, in your midst. And this one, and the the penalty for for smuggling is not that good. Basically, there's a two values printed on each good. There's a gold value, which is how much you make if you bring it through. So let's, let's say the apples are worth three gold if you uh, successfully get them through. But then they have a, like, contraband value. And if you lie about it for any reason, then you have to pay the sheriff uh, one gold or something like that. So um, if you don't get the contraband through, you are going to lose some money um, and you're not going to make all that additional money. But it's you're not penalized super greatly. So it's not quite as high stakes as the resistance. Yeah, it, it's I like that it seems less 
I mean, I would. Tr- this is like baby's first bluffing game, and then you move on to resistance when you have to try to really like. I don't know, mess people over. Yeah, but it's it's really good. I it's actually I I'm like resistance is kind of more a little bit more straightforward with how you bluff. Whereas yeah, Sheriff that's, of Nottingham, that's the hard part though. That's the hard part. It's hard to it's hard to like stare at somebody straight in the face and say I am a. Let's see. A re- you want to be a rebel. Yeah, you want to be a rebel. And then not be a rebel. That is hard to do. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, and the, the other strategy I think that's really interesting with Sheriff of Nottingham is you can look like you're, you can like load your bag up and you can like say, oh, I've got, uh, oh, wait, let me check and like look in my bag again and be like, oh, I have four bread. Or um, when you when you draw new cards, you you discard openly. So if you discarded three bread, and everyone saw you do that. And then you ended up with some bread anyway. And you put four bread in there. Mm-hmm. And you say, I have four bread. Then people are going to assume you're lying because they just saw you get rid of bread. So obviously you're not going for bread. So um, yeah. there's a lot of opportunities to just try to, you want, sometimes you want the sheriff to look in your bag. Right. Because he pays you for goods that are legal that he sees. So you're like, come on, look in my bag. Go ahead. You know, and you might even put up a, a coin or two to try and prevent him to try and make him think you're preventing him. So it, it's got a lot of opportunities to bluff. Even if you're telling the truth, you still get to bluff. Yeah. So I can see that. Yeah. It's really good. Someday we, can, like someday play we'll it. play it. Yeah. I also like the idea of the little velveteen like envelopes. That sounds yeah. Cool. And the artwork is really nice too. It's kind of got a very, um, storybook. Yeah. It's kind of a storybook. I've seen I, the cover. I almost I want to say Shrek ish. Although I don't think that's very flattering. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but I'm sure sh- the first Shrek and the fir- like, let's say it's the first Shrek concept art book. That's probably okay. Yeah, it's probably pretty solid. You know, yeah. it's got cartoony, but it's also kind of like painterly. Yeah, it's painterly and kind of charming. So yeah, it's yeah. got yeah, it's got really nice components. Those those bags kind of really make and make that game because it's really fun to just like tug yeah. on it and i've even seen people tug on it and then accidentally snap it open and and then they're like oh and that was there's no going back because the the rules are 100 clear as soon as that snap is snapped that's it oh, i'm a sucker for good game pieces yeah i know <laughs> i will just buy i just want to buy a game that has good pieces or buy new pieces for a game that doesn't need them but well what is on your list is there any okay. games with beautiful i'm just pieces? gonna i'm gonna just cheat and do three right now whoa okay. so so when you told me this, my first thought was how ever since I've started playing board games, when we started playing board games, I started buying my parents or my family, I should say, but it's basically my parents from my parents' house. I pick a, a game that I thought they would all like, and then I take it and we play it like on Christmas Eve or on New Year's Eve. And so the first three games that I got them are very popular and well-known games. And so I'm just going to kind of talk about them briefly but i bought them pandemic first because okay. that was definitely my gateway board game actually yeah. i probably elder signs was but pandemic is definitely up there it is a cooperative game most people probably know it but the object of the game is to save the world from a massive epidemic or four epi- four four yeah. yeah four diseases so you're trying to you're a team of researchers and scientists and uh I don't know, everyone has a different role and your role gives you certain powers or certain abilities and you have four actions to either use your ability or move around the board to, I guess, 
eradicate or cure diseases. And once you have eradicated, actually, you don't need to eradicate, do you? It's been a while since I've played it. You just once need you've to cured four diseases. You cure, yeah. Once you've cured four diseases, then you win. But the thing about this game is because it's cooperative, it is really difficult, and you can gauge or you can you can kind of move up the level of difficulty based on how many epidemics you put into the this deck that is dealt. Um, and the first time I played with my family, I put it at the highest difficulty. <laughs> the highest. The highest. I put six six of the epidemic cards in there. Okay. And at first, it's really funny because at first everyone was kind of like, oh, yeah, we'll play a game with you because it's family time. But by like the second, of course, we lost the first. We, we lost all of them. The spoiler, we lost every single one. But after the first two, my brother was like, wait a minute. And they got really into it. And so he figured out that we had too many epidemics cards in there. and We needed to like move it down to five cards, which is the, the normal. Which is but normal it, and still pretty difficult. And still pretty difficult. Yeah, we didn't win. We did not win at all. Um, my brother actually, when he went back to college, he went and bought it and now plays it with his friends. So it is, it's definitely, if you haven't played it, play it. It is, it's a really good, it's a really good first board game, I think, for people, especially if you are, if you're trying to see if board games are for you. <laughs> I think it, it's really good because Yeah, it's, no, it's a killer. It, it always, it always slays for anybody who who plays it i think what is really cool about it and i know you said we weren't going to talk about these at super yeah, at length but I, I think it's really to, good um thematically because everyone kind of like gets it and as soon as they see what's happening they kind of understand we're flying around the globe we're treating people we're doing all these sorts of things um and then just as as matt leacock who's a designer just his designs in general are so clean and just like smooth it's just like the super polished game where it's just like there's, you know, most of the, you know, weird angles have been smoothed and sanded down. And it's just such a smooth game. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I play his games, which is, you know, Pandemic or Forbidden Island or Forbidden Desert or um, he's got a couple other ones, too. But but are every they time... all cooperative? Does he ever has he made any non-cooperative? Uh, no, I, he has, but I, I was just looking at something the other day that I didn't realize was Matt Leacock, and then I saw it was, but I would have to look at his um, profile page to see what else he's designed. But m- he's mainly known for kind of being, um, making these co-op games in a similar vein. He just made a, what's that puppet show from the 70s? Uh, you know what I'm talking I was going to say Team America, Team America was kind of based off of it. Um, uh-huh. He just, now I can't remember it. It's like a Brit and they all have like mech kind of vehicle type things. Um, I really am interested though now. Wow. I can't remember the name of it, but he just made one based off that. Now I'm going to have to look up his profile for real, but um, which is a very, it's in the same school of design, I guess that pandemic and, and uh, forbidden Island and forbidden desert is based off of, but um but yeah, every time I play his games, I'm just like always, it's like, I'm just like, I'll go back to the game that I'm working on for, for unknown purposes, I guess. And I'll just be like, I need to take everything out. This is too complicated. I can make this smoother. I can make it better. It doesn't have to be this complicated. Um, you can make really solid games with really clear goals and all sorts of things and it's, still make like it, it with it, a lot of cool decisions. Yeah, but he must have... Man, I can't even count how many times I've played that game. Like thinking about polishing it into what it is, it must have taken so long. 
you know it's it's really good it's it's just like you said it's it's exactly as much as it needs to be i don't know if that makes sense you know yeah but i've at this point i have played pandemic so many times that when people like when people recommend games and pandemic is on the list i usually don't go with it but only because I've actually been at after playing it like 20 times have beaten it twice. <laughs> so, so I feel pretty satisfied. Okay. Um, um, and the, the other game you made that just, I don't even know if it's out. Actually it is. I saw it on store shelves just a couple weeks ago, but it was, um, it's Thunderbirds. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a seventies TV show. Yeah. So if you saw it, you would probably recognize it, but I think it was, it was more popular in, the European regions than the American regions. I'll have to check it out. Go to Card Kingdom and see what they've got. Um, so are you so rattling was, off three still? I'll, I'll quickly do the other ones. How about that? All right. All right. So uh, the next one was Ticket to Ride. Also um, classic. Super classic. I almost feel like more well-known. It's been around longer, hasn't it? I feel like it's been around. Um, is it, isn't it from like the 80s? No, 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 not even close. No? Yeah, no. I'll, I'll look it up for sure, but I'm, I'm going to say it's uh, it's in the it's in the 2000s for sure. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Ah, oh, I know. There's something about it that feels, and that's okay. It does I, feel very classic. And Days yes. of Wonder is really good at making. Yeah, 2004 is when it was released. Oh wow. Okay. And Days and of Wonder does a really good job of just their graphic design and artwork is very nostalgic. Um, mm-hmm. It's really high quality, but it has a very yeah, nostalgic feel to it. So it feels like it could be older, but it's, yeah, it's not that old. There's something about it too, just the the gameplay. And it's part of the reason why I chose it for my family. Because my parents, when we were kids, um, I come from a big family. And one thing that was tradition was they bought us all a game. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that more later. But um, I thought, oh, this this game, the first time I played Ticket to Ride, I was like, this reminds me of a game that my parents would probably buy for us. It is, it's really good. It's not It's great. Unlike, it's great. Right. Unlike many old board games, it's not it's not boring and it's not does not drag out unnecessarily. It's also not old. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I, I'm just saying it reminds me of an old board game. But yeah. but I think what reminds me about it is that it's it's very it's even simpler than pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like very, very simple. Um I feel like the age range that can play it is much wider because it's not there's not as many things that you have to learn to do. You know, yeah, you can really, just all you get playing. to do is draw cards or play trains. And, and, and it's really, it, I mean, you haven't really explained it, but basically it's it's kind of like a rummy-based system where you're collecting sets and then you're playing these sets out to claim routes on a map. And like tracks, yeah. Yeah, and then um, I think one thing that that game does is that I always really like and I, I try and try and emulate if I can is just the, the secret routes that you get. So you could just, you know, claim routes everywhere and just fill up the map and get points by laying down routes but you get secret points for connecting like new york to portland or something like that so you're trying to go specific places and other people are trying to do the same thing um and my motto is do you remember go go big or go home i always take more tickets and it always pays off because i connect those routes and once you kind of get a network going you can probably draw more tickets and have them nearly complete at least one of them so and it, that really makes the game because without that, it would probably get boring pretty fast. Yeah, it would be boring. It would just be like, it would, it would be random. It would be, and it would be exactly like everybody would see everything about everyone. Yeah. 
but the cool thing about this is you there's so many different ways you can connect different cities and you have to be clever about it because once the map starts filling up with everybody's trains you have less ways because you can't put two trains on the same piece of track so and that's one thing about ticket to ride it it if you play it like two player it's a pretty leisurely fun oh, game yeah. or whatever but right. if you it play it five people it it's, is cutthroat it is cutthroat. you are like stealing tracks away from other people and every single move like the the amount of time between your move and your next move is so painful because you're just watching everyone else and you're just like muttering under your breath and you're like if you <laughs> take that i'm just gonna right. smack you in the face you know like but um, the hard thing is too is like you you're doing that but you also still kind of want to keep things secret because you don't want people to know what you're well, you especially for. want to because if you tell them, they will purposefully block you. Yep. And yep. I would say higher skilled ticket to ride players are all about just like blocking people and being total jerks. And it, it can be yep. really cutthroat. I really, I really love ticket to ride for that reason because it can play along any. It can just be a fun game that no one even, you know, you're just kind of like building trains. And at the end, you can see your, you know, this network that you built and that's all fun. But if you want to play it competitively, it can be pretty competitive. Right. Keep the points really low, but you know, like you you could, I actually, that's funny, but it would be interesting to play a game like that where you're not aiming to score big. You're aiming to keep everybody else down. <laughs> so everybody's points are like, you're just playing like, the jerk mode. Yeah. So nobody, everybody's trains are really short. Oh, nobody has no completed fun. any of their cards. <laughs> be like the most frustrating game. It'd be but pretty fun. I can't argue ticket to ride is an amazing game. It's one that I got right away as well because um, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah. And my parents like it a lot. It's one that, again, pandemic, I think my siblings were more into ticket to ride, but the whole family definitely loved it. And, uh, I just forgot what I was going to say about it. Oh, also there are many different versions. I bought the classic America, uh, America, just the mm-hmm. United States. And I think it includes some of Canada. Um, but there's many, many versions. You can get Europe, you can get Asia, you can get like what is it? The Nordic region. Yeah, you can get, like, yeah they have a lot of Switzerland. them. Switzerland, and they all have their own. I mean, they're not the same either. They no. all have their own mechanics. And if you want to try them all out, the iPad app is actually, or iPhone iPad app has all of them, and they're really well implemented. It's one of the better board game apps out there. So you can try them all out. But they all introduce like new mechanics and things like that. I know the Markland one is supposed to be like the most like cutthroat ending relationships one of all. I think. Um, the which one? Markland. Oh, Markland. Like, is that Germany? Yeah, I think so. Isn't it? It's a German board game too, isn't it? Like it. Um, I don't know. I think Days, Days of, of Wonder. Wonder might be. I don't know. Okay. Well. Anyway, they they won a German award. I know. So. Um, and then my last one, really quick, is Seven Wonders, uh, mm-hmm. another very popular game. And last time we talked about games, we talked about Sushi Go. And I think mentioned that Seven Wonders is similar. I feel like Seven Wonders is a more complicated, and it has a lot more elements too. It's it definitely takes a lot longer to play, but then Sushi Go, yeah, then Sushi Go. But it, it's it's similar in that the action of the game is in passing decks that contain different resources, and so you're trying to build up each each player trying to build up their civilization, and you can have resources like. You know, stone, brick, silk, um, glass, and then those things will eventually allow you to buy things like sciences, like different types of sciences. You can buy um, a military 
or buy trade, you know, different wonders. So like if you have Egypt, you can build the pyramids. Um, and each of these things allow you so many points. So at the end of the game, you collect up all the points and add them all up and what person with the most points wins. But it's, I chose it for my family again, because it's, it's one of those games that you can basically just start playing. You don't need to really explain too much. And that, that is definitely, yeah, of the three, I think it's probably, it requires, it's not as immediately apparent compared to Ticket to Ride and Pandemic. Really? I think that Pandemic is really easy because you're just like, you are a person, you can do four things. Here are the four things or here are the different types of things you can do. Go. Whereas Seven Wonders, it's like, here's your cards. You're going to be drafting one and then passing it. Um, You know, you need to think about these combos to build other things. There's also, I think there's just more, I I feel like it's the hardest one for me personally to teach. I think... I think well, it's maybe. really good, and I'd like to play it more. The other good thing about um, Seven Wonders is that it, it it plays in the same amount of time, regardless of the player count. Yes. Since everyone's doing everything at the same time, so you that can play different. seven people, or you can play two people, and no matter well, three people is there's a special two player variant that is is. I've played it with my sister. I'm not as big a fan. Yeah. No. I mean, it's more fun with more people. Although I think the sweet spot is probably like four or five or something, because yeah. then you with seven you like never see the same hand again. No, so you can't it's it's plan completely for random. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. And that's, but it is a really that, good game. That's definitely and Sushi Go actually. I played Sushi Go over Thanksgiving with some people, and one thing that because everybody that was playing got it really quick, it was much more a game about kind of screwing your neighbor than it was about. Uh, getting what you wanted like we were basically just looking at what everybody else had and trying to prevent them (laughs) from getting what they wanted and i think seven wonders can be like that if you don't have a billion people you know yeah otherwise it's really hard seven wonders there's more options though sushi go is really like it's like two seconds a puzzle game because you're you're just like well they have sashimi so i can't pass them sashimi and they have this many um you know you can you can cl- more clearly see exactly what the other person is going to score, whereas Seven Wonders it's a little bit more, um, it's a well, little bit can, more in depth. So yeah, it's, it's not as easy to f- see at a glance and just be like, oh, I see exactly how many points they have. Unless they're being really, oh, going uh, for the blue ones where all all it is is point numbers, right? Or somebody <laughs> who's going for military and you're like, oh, I see you're building your military. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the good thing, I really like how they did military in that game because you can attack your neighbors, but it's more better for you and less detrimental for them. It kind of gives yeah. them what, like a negative one point or something. Yeah. And then you get like a plus five. And you get you get a plus one the first round and then three and then five the third round. So it, your military victories keep getting better, but it doesn't it doesn't destroy no. your neighbors. It just gives them at by, you know, if you won all three rounds or whatever, they would have negative three points, I think. Yeah, so, and military, from experience, I know, both playing with my family, who I think I think my uncle, actually, he, he was like, I'm going to do the military route, did not win. And I've done it, too. Like, Well, because, because all you need with military is enough to not be last. Right, but you don't, it doesn't guarantee you that many points. Right, because you can, you get to a certain point, and then you're like, I won on military, and then any other effort you put into building your military is just wasted effort. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah. Seven yeah, so those, is great, yeah. So those are my my three games that I bought for my family, and this year I think I'm going to get the Mysterium, which we talked about last week. So yeah, that's a great one, and I think they'll really like it. So I, you get to do like three now <laughs> or two. Okay, well I'll make them quick. 
um, Escape Curse of the Temple uh, is a really fun. It is a really fun cooperative game. Uh, it also a little bit like Seven Wonders is it well actually n- not like Seven Wonders but um, it can't get any longer the more players you throw in so no matter how many players you're playing with it takes ten minutes it's on a timer it comes with a CD but you can also just go the download that. <laughs> you oh, can no. just go download the MP3 but there is a CD that comes with it that's an exact ten minutes soundtrack um, and it actually adds a lot to the game so the theme of Escape is basically Indiana Jones. You are stuck in a temple. You're running through this temple um, and trying to find the exit. You all, it's cooperative, so you all are on the same team, and you all basically have a set of five dice. um, And you all roll your dice as fast as possible all at the same time. So there are no turns. No one's ever not doing something. Um, and what you're doing is you start on like one tile in the middle and then you can explore out by spending dice. So if you roll, um, two little running men, you can explore a new room, uh, and you just kind of run from room to room and to get into a new room, there's like certain results you need to roll to, so to get into the next room, you need to roll a torch and a little man or something like that. And then, so you're moving around these, this temple by spending dice. Um, there's also these gems and you are trying to fill these altars with gems and the less basically the more gems you get out into the altars the easier it is to get out of the temple at the end of the game so you just need to run out run around the temple fill these altars um, and then eventually when the exit finally does show up you need to run to the exit and just roll a certain amount of keys to get out but you need to roll keys equal to the crystals in the that haven't been placed on the altars so that's why you need to place them because at the beginning it's impossible to roll that many keys because it's like 11 or something like that and you only have five dice i do love a dice rolling game though let me tell you this is a insane dice rolling game because what you do is you just start rolling and everyone's screaming and shouting you can work together you can kind of lend people your dice results to help them fill you know the gem chalices or to there's basically like one black skull icon and if you roll that your dice is locked so if you end up rolling five of those your dice are 100 percent locked and you so can't do anything um, but there's gold skulls as well and people can spend their gold skulls and you can spend your gold skulls to unlock your black skulls so sometimes people will be running around and they'll be like ah i can't i can't get out of this room i'm stuck i'm locked so then you you know the teammates have to run to that room and then start rolling in that room, hoping to get gold ones to give them, but then they might get stuck as well. So there's a lot of oh, man. just really funny moments. And what really kind of makes it exciting kind of throughout the entire 10 minutes, which isn't very long, but um, what I really like that they did is that twice during this 10 minutes, basically at the three minute mark and at the six minute mark, a gong chimes. And wow. when that gong chimes, you have 30 seconds to get back to the main room. And if you don't, you lose a dice permanently through, through for the game. So uh-huh. basically this chime or this gong sounds and everyone is like, get back to that room right now. And everyone's like frantically trying to get back there. And then there's a, after 30 seconds, there's this big door slam and whoever's not in the main room by the time door slams loses the dice. But it's just like, it's like, <laughs> it really is like watching, you know, in, in that movie where somebody like the door is closing between you and you're like oh, reaching yeah. out your hand to grab them, but it's too late and then they get crushed or something like that. They are just Does like, that usually happen? I thought they usually save them. Well, maybe they save them sometimes, but in this one, <laughs> and usually we get everyone back, but I feel like there's been some games where it 
the dice have not rolled properly and no one got back and we just end up, you know, defeated and, and getting out with less dice is really difficult. So, um, losing those dice is a pretty monumental setback. Um, that's cool though. I sound like I really like that game. It dice. is, it is really great. It is super fun. Um, again, you have to play with the right group, but I think a family setting is, is a lot of fun. Um, I've played with, Lindsay when she's been tired with a headache and that is not the right time to play that game <laughs> but uh especially because the cd yeah and it, it's funny playing it in a you know you want to play it at a family holiday where people are not sleeping um because it's just a really tense game and and no matter how hard you try you cannot help but to scream and to shout about how you're you're going to come save somebody or you need help or to get back to the room you know to, to escape or all sorts of stuff so uh it it's a super like fun it, game it's good for uh it's like a post dinner game when everybody's about to be lazy but you're like nope we're not gonna exercise. be lazy yeah we were playing it at game night uh, a few weeks ago and i was like sweating <laughs> it is the kind of game you need to be standing all oh, right i was you gonna need say to i would be, probably stand yeah you need to be standing um there's also these curses and basically, whenever you explore a tile and it has this like cursed purple head, you have to grab a curse and the curses do really funny things like um, some of them just like lock a dice. So when you when you get a curse, you have to put the dice on it um, and then they have icons you have to roll to break the curse so you can get that die back. But you might have to roll like three torches or something like that. Uh-huh. But some of them, they are really silly. One um, makes you play with one hand on top of your head. So basically okay. you're trying to like roll these dice and flip over tiles and grab crystals with only one hand. Um, and another one like makes you mute so you can't say anything. So you're, you know, oh, then you're no. just pantomiming until you break your curse. So um, I don't know. The curses really add a lot. They come with the base game, but I, I think um, there's two variants and it says like for the easy game, don't use the curses or the treasures. But I would just go ahead and dive right into those curses because they add a lot to the game. Um, and make it more difficult too. And it's one of those games. Um, I would say with the curses, we win maybe, f- maybe a little less than fifty percent of the time. So with without the curses, it might be too easy. What is the artwork like? Um, it's good. It it kind of. I mean, it kind of looks like, you know, Temple Run ish. Oh, you know what's funny? Because this entire time, that's what I'm picturing in my head. Yeah, the, no, it it looks like that. It's it's good. I mean, there's not a lot of artwork because you're basically looking at like a like a top-down D&D mats of a temple or something like that. Right, so it's right. just kind of like bricks. Um, but it's good. I don't know. I like the little the little meeples have little Indiana Jones hats on. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Cool. I like it. And it's got a lot of custom dice, so you like custom dice. And I love custom dice. Yeah. So I think you should definitely Try and try get that it. one. I think that your baby friends will enjoy it. <laughs> it does sound like one that my baby friends will. And enjoy. you could try and find it at Cafe Mox. I'm but, sure I could. That's that's the thing. And now I've got that list. But this seems like I like the that the length is kind of short because one thing that I do need are games that are do not require a massive time commitment. Yeah, it's, even though the games I want to play require a massive time commitment. It's ten minutes, and it can't go any longer than that. And I'm it really can't go any shorter than that either. It's 10 minutes. And if, if you, I feel like usually we end up playing it like two or three times, but usually not more than three times. So it's kind of like you could play it in 10 minutes. You'll probably end up playing it for about 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. 
What's oh yeah. Next Am one? I supposed to keep going? Yeah, you get one more. <laughs> All right. Um, I will say the next one is going, going, gone. It's kind of in a not really similar, but it it it's got some frenetic, chaotic activity going on. Going, going, gone is a bidding game, um, mm-hmm. like auction game, um, but it the designer Scott Nicholson was really trying to simulate what a real auction is like because most games that have auctions are just like somebody's like i will pay you three for that tile and the next person's like i will pay four and it's just like a really slow and then they might count their money and be like "Mm, maybe i will pay five if you've ever been to a real auction or anything like that you know that it is not that um right thoughtful it's very chaotic and and people make bad decisions because they're trying to not get outbid and and doing all these weird crazy things so going going gone kind of simulates that um basically it comes with these little solid plastic cups they kind of everyone every time i take them out people are like this looks like a urine test cup oh, um, no. <laughs> but they don't have a lid they're, but they're really solid and i you'll understand why they're really solid in a minute because um every round you put these five cups in the middle of a table and then you deal out items around in front of each cup um and basically the items are super straightforward they're all different types of goods there's like comic books baseball cards uh toys cars uh there's a couple more but basically each card has like a car on it and then a flag and there's like a german flag a japanese flag an american flag some other flags um and what you're trying to do by the end of the game is collect big sets. So you might have a set of five cars or you might have a set of five Japanese items. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So this car could go into a group of cars or it could go into a group of Japanese items. Uh, and you can pick and choose and you can kind of like make your sets. It's just like whatever at, at the end of the game, you can arrange them however you want and then you score. Um, but to get those cards, you put them in front of these cups and then everyone gets these cubes of their color and to get an item all you need to do is have a majority of your cubes in the cup that is um kind of attached to that item so like let's say i want this car all i need to do is have my colored cubes be the majority in that cup um but how it works is there's one person who's the auctioneer and they hold this big auctioneer's paddle and they get to count from 10 to 1 as fast as they want and as soon as they hit one, they slam this like big paddle down on top of the cups. But you have to count uh, in an even rhythm. So you can't be like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I was going to say, you have to do it like an auctioneer, which means you're just like slurring it all together. You could do that or you could count it. And it, it's totally up to the auctioneer. They might be like one, two, three. And everyone's kind of like putting their chips in one at a time and trying, you know. But when somebody counts 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 1, slam everyone just like goes ballistic and starts throwing cubes everywhere and they know they want that one item so they might you know and you it just ends up with these really crazy results where you might want this one car and you've ended up paying like 12 cubes and no one even bid against you because you basically just like freaked out and threw these things in so fast that you couldn't even like pay attention to what was happening and when you're trying to win multiple items and the same thing it's just really chaotic it's actually um you know the the paddle getting slammed down it's it's just a cardboard paddle so it's not going to hurt anybody but um i have learned that during the course of the game i don't think i've ever played a game where at one point in the game at least one cup hasn't gone flying off the table 
because people just like try and get in there so hard and they try and catch, you know, the last minute to get in this auction. Um, once at game night, someone even came away with a bloody knuckle. <laughs> I was going to say, because I think they hit somebody's whacked? ring. They both like went in and just like crashed each other's hands. Um, so even though it's an auction game and all you're really trying to do is pay little um, cubes to collect items, it has a lot of uh, maybe dexterity. I guess dexterity is the word because you are, it takes skill to like manipulate all these little things. I always tell people to not put all their 25 cubes in their hand before it starts because you basically have those until the end of the game. So if you spend them all and people do this, they're like, oh, I want that car. I'm going to drop all my cubes in there. But if you win, you pay your cubes. So now you're out of cubes uh, because they're money. But you can sell sets throughout it to get your money back. The best bet is to just kind of ration your money and maybe only have to sell once or twice. But it's a ton of fun. It's really easy to pick up after in it. And then it it is another game that usually only lasts 15, 20 minutes. I Um, like the the psychology behind it. I feel like you can have so much fun um, varying how quickly you num or count down and just how everybody's going to start reacting to everybody else, you know? Yeah. I think that's kind of fun. No, it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's really fun to be the auctioneer. I actually hate it actually. <laughs> I you you really hate fun. being the auctioneer? I think I'd like to be the Well, the thing is when you're the auctioneer, you're still putting money out there. You're still putting your things out there. So you have the oh, paddle in one hand and then you're counting and you're trying to put cubes in there. Oh, so you switch being the auctioneer. Yeah, so the auctioneer moves oh, right, around right, the right. table or whatever. So right, you get right. usually a, like a couple chances to be the auctioneer. So uh, it's just really difficult. It's kind of like patting your stomach and rubbing your head or vice versa or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. It's like everyone always thinks they're like, oh, I get to be the auctioneer. How cool. And then they sit there and kind of do this convulsion for a couple seconds where they're like, <laughs> trying to start and trying to get their cubes ready and trying to like think about how they're going to go ahead with the, the rest of the the yeah. round. And it, and it's a lot harder for some reason than it seems. You're, you're just like, uh, 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 uh. I, I feel like I wouldn't want to put any cubes in when I was the auctioneer. I feel like I just want to mess with other people. It's dangerous, but, <laughs> but you're the yeah, only person. Really I mean, hard. you're the only person when you're the auctioneer who knows the pace that they're going to be going at. So you kind of have an True. advantage for that. So yeah, that's cool. I like it. It's really fun. I really like it. The components are good. The artwork is not my favorite. I mean, but it it seems like artwork is not. Yeah, I mean, it's not the draw of it. It's but, not the draw of it, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I really like it. It's a really fun game, and it goes over well with a lot of people. So I cool. uh, can't go wrong with going, going, gone. Oh, my next pick is Splendor. It's funny because this was on your list, too, I think. Um but I I think this is a good one because this is my sister's all-time favorite game forever because I think this is a game that she can play with all of her friends and they also like it. And she has played it so much that she is unbeatable. So Splendor is a game that... Oh, the, the other thing. It's really funny because I did teach some people this, this game on Thanksgiving and everybody is completely wowed by the artwork and the components of this game. Um... It is a set or several sets of poker chips with foil paintings of gemstones on them. So, like, there's diamonds, emeralds, rubies, sapphires, etc. Chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah, everyone calls that one. Cho- <laughs> everyone does call that one chocolate. I know. It looks like a chocolate bar. I think it's an onyx. 
I don't know. It's, it's like not a, chocolate, but I always it's like call a brown it chocolate. Blackstone. <laughs> Everyone does call it chocolate. It's not even like a conspiracy. Everyone's like, I want two rubies and one chocolate. <laughs> but it's it looks very decadent. Like everything about this, all the arc in this game is pretty decadent looking. Mm-hmm. And the chips are fantastic because they're heavy and they feel like something. It feels like a gemstone. It's, you know, nice and weighty. Yeah. And then there are cards that have really beautiful paintings that relate to either mining or um i guess observing stones like there's people with little magnifying glasses well i I think what it is and the theme is really light on this game it 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 could be just numbers yeah it could just be numbers i mean the theme is like whatever but but if you actually look at the such a draw though there's so many there i kid you not there are like two people who were like i need to go buy this game because i just like how it looks yeah, no, so. I mean, it, they do a really good job. But if you look closely at the theme, there's kind of like, what is it, three or four stages? Th- there's three there levels. There is, yes. And so the first one and is the like first one is like stones. the raw material. So it's like right. mines and stuff like that. The mm-hmm. second one is like the people who are um, cutting They're them and things cutting, like that. Or yep. it's transportation, like elephants or, or boats. Ships. And then eventually it's like um, fancy, stores. yeah, fancy like European stores and things like right. that. So there yes. is like a kind of a story being told kind of throughout the little cards but yep you know and this is this is how bad this is i've played this game a million times but i noticed that story on thanksgiving i was <laughs> like oh this because i never get any of the expensive cards and i got one of the um one was just like it looked like a fancy shop in london or something and i was mm-hmm. like oh i get it this is where they're selling them but okay so the this game in the beginning most of your turns are picking up different color chips and you can either choose three different colors. You can choose two of the same if there's enough chips in that stack, or you can choose a wild, um, but you only get one and that allows you to save a card. And these chips are like Chris was saying, it's, it's numbers. So you are trying to build up enough numbers that you can buy cards. And each one of those cards is a permanent chip essentially that you get to keep. And eventually you don't even need to collect chips anymore because you bought enough of these cards that you permanently keep and they allow you to buy the more expensive ones because you're starting to build up this fortune and the point of the game is to get 15 points some of the cards have points on them most of them don't especially in the early, early well, I would cards. Say most of them do except for the early cards well the early there's more early cards aren't there than the there's, um, the, yeah but but i mean i guess most of the cards you get will not if you unless you can somehow magically afford a bunch of the other ones but it's funny because it's only 15 points and in the beginning you might be getting a point here and there but once people start collecting points it goes real fast it's a race once you once you're rich enough your engine really builds up because once you start getting those permanent jewels in your collection you can buy things way faster and eventually you won't even need to take chips anymore you're just going to be buying some of the higher level cards with with just the cards that you have in your tableau and that's the only way that you could win, too, because there just aren't enough chips to go around. And you're only allowed to keep so many chips in your like stockpile, so yeah. you need those cards. There's also other ways to get points because um, there's like little, uh, what are they, benefactor cards that they give you points if you collect so many of the same colors in a row. So They're like get- patrons, and there's like one yeah, patron patrons, who yeah. wants to visit... And it's funny because I can't remember what they're called, but they, they're like, these people want to visit the person who has three like white, shots. yeah, the, like the three white cards and three blue cards or whatever. And they're like, oh, I love your collection. And then you basically just get 
points or esteem or something from having those people come and visit you. And they do, I mean, most of the time, like when my sister wins, she wins because she keeps an eye on those. Yeah, you and, should definitely keep an eye on those. And they, it's, because if you don't, someone else might snag them before you do. Because it's, it is it is what definitely one of those things where everybody's getting about the same time they're getting all their points. So it's like a fight down to like the last turn. Right. And they uh, act as a goal. They're kind of like the ticket to ride Oh yeah, the tickets, yeah. Tickets, except for they're out in the open, but they're there's something to strive for. Yeah. Because otherwise you could just be like, well, I'll collect a a white mine and now I'll collect a blue mine because I can afford it. But if you see that somebody specifically wants black and white, then you might specifically ignore other cards that you could buy easily to get something a little bit more valuable to really score those points. Because and they can def- only be scored once each. And I think depending on how many players, there's usually like three special ones. So there's not a ton of them. Yeah, and we definitely, this was another game where everybody was, it was very cutthroat, especially at the end, and everybody was, the last couple turns around, everybody was just trying to make other people not win. Mm-hmm. They were trying to prolong the game, and so, so that's another thing about this game is because it is you're pulling cards and points, and you can kind of start to map out other people's strategies, so it's another yeah, well, if you see somebody grabbing white every time and then there's a card out there that costs like six white, you're like, hmm. <laughs> right, and it's five points and you're like, uh-uh. And what you, you what that. you did kind of mention, but you didn't really mention it, when you take the gold, which is the wild oh, yeah. poker chip, mm-hmm. you get to claim one card but not actually put it in Bye. your tableau. So you're basically saying like, I'm going to build this later. No one else can have it. So sometimes you might see somebody scoring a card you might want. And before you have any funds to buy it, you could just reserve it and put it yeah, aside and say, I'm going to, I'm going to pay for this later. And then they can't take it away from you. So right. um, there is a lot of strategy to that. Yes. Once you kind of know what you're doing, you're like, I've, I need that card. No one else can have it. I'm going to reserve it. And I also get this wild as kind of a little bonus. I've played that game at like Garrett lab game nights many a time and there was one time in particular where there was a, a guy that came in and i i've never seen him again since this one time but he came in and said i've played this game before and i know the strategy and he totally did the reserve a card strategy and beat us all so <laughs> fast and to this day i actually even tried it this weekend i was like how is he doing that so i reserved some and it still took me forever but i think you have to really you have to have a really good plan but yeah, well, I mean, supposedly I that's the one to do. It that much that's cool for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah well for how much like i said it's felicia's favorite so it's a good game and it's worth checking out too because like i said the art is gorgeous uh the chips feel like they deserve the box they're in like it's a very nice it's a very nice game yeah um well i have a game that has had big wins is that a segue <laughs> Big wins, yeah. Big wins, I guess so. big big swings of wins. I guess like this big guy money. coming in and destroyed you. No, um, I'm gonna talk about Specter Ops, Yay, which I love is this game. a really fun game um, that is really easy to learn. Actually, yes, uh, it is by Plat Hat Games, and it is basically Metal Gear Solid, the board game. I never thought of that, but yes, it is. Oh, really? You never thought of that? I don't think we even talked about this, but it totally is. That's really funny. Yeah, it really, like, once you, like, realize that and you look closely, you're like, wow. You see it everywhere. You see it everywhere. But basically, in this game, one person is a um, spy, 
and they have to infiltrate this base and activate a certain amount of uh, goals. I don't know what they are, computer terminals, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, And they uh, get to move around the board and hide in the shadows. And then there's a team of up to four hunters who are basically work for the corporation of that the uh, the spy is trying to infiltrate and they cruise around the map and they have the big guns and a car and um, they get to basically just try and kill the spy before the spy steals the secrets and leaves. The hunters are on the board all the time. So the spy knows exactly where the hunters are. Uh, they can just move around. They get to more, basically they get to move four spaces um, and sometimes they have special abilities and there's four different ones and each one has a few special abilities. The spy gets to move around except for they do it on a worksheet. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like homework. They have a worksheet that's just the exact same as the board, um, but they count their movements out. And then there's a list along the right hand side where you write the board has like letters and numbers. So I'm moving from a seven to B three to G four, you know, um, so you can basically just scoot around the board and secretly try and and complete your objectives. But if you ever end your movement in line of sight of the hunters, they can take opportunity to, to shoot you or do some other bad thing to you. Um, so basically the hunters want to um, end, just get you in their sights and then shoot you. And you're trying to, or you as the spy are trying spy. to stay out of their vision um so it's totally a game of like subterfuge and deduction um it's actually really simple like the line of sight rules are very very simple there's no diagonals it's all straight the board is really well kind of segmented into interesting shapes where you know there's a lot of nooks and crannies but there's also huge line of sights areas so um there's basically these roads that run down the middle and and through the board, I guess, across the horizontal and vertical axes mm-hmm. that give you almost line of sight across the entire board. And eventually the spy has to cross these areas. Mm-hmm. So there are really good opportunities to um, kind of stake out and hope that you get a glimpse of them there. Um, and other than that, the spy gets a few like cool spy toys, whether it's um, a stealth mode they can activate one turn or smoke screen or um, all sorts of different cool stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I don't I, have a ton to it. say about it. You really, it's just like the spy moves and then the four hunters move and they, and then they say, you know, you can't see me or you can see me. Um, and then you just kind of do that. It's similar to Scotland Yard. I was thinking Scotland Yard, which is a That's- classic Ravensburger game. But I like it much more. I was also, for some reason, thinking like this is like somebody saw a Battleship and was like, "How do we make that fun?" <laughs> yeah, it is, I mean, it's kind of like that, except for you know. So the spy always knows where the hunters are going. Yeah, he can listen to the hunters talk about what they're planning on doing, and I think a lot of the fun in this game is sitting there and listening. Oh man! And. I know yeah. for a fact, because I've played both sides many times, mm-hmm. whenever you're on the hunter's side, you're like, we are never going to find this guy. Uh-huh. The spy is so far out of our range. Or, and as the spy, you're just freaking out all And the as time. the spy, you're like, they're right on top of me. 
they are going to, if they like move one inch, they're going to find me. And so like, (laughs) it's just this, it's almost frustrating in the fact that you're just like, both teams always feel like this is impossible, but it's not. I, I, I guess it would, I would say the spy maybe wins more, but maybe that's because I play the spy more often and I've just, I have more experience because I'm a lot of times I'm teaching new people. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel like it's personally, I I've played both as well and I think it is easier to be the spy. You think so? I, I think it is, but I don't know. Maybe it's just a, I wouldn't say it's a preference because I liked playing both. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a reason I think the hunters get two people and the spies by itself. For real. And and the more hunters, it, it doesn't make it a lot easier for the hunters because every hunter that gets added, they basically add more exits. So there's, easy, you know, it gets easier for the spy to escape the more hunters there are. Yeah, um, but you can work together though and come up with traps i guess kinda. yeah but working oh. together is really key because i've seen games where the hunters really didn't use their abilities very well and they were just basically playing exactly like the spy where they were just moving and not using there's the car that they can use there's all yeah. sorts of different things and they just weren't um and they were really frustrated and i was like if they would just use like these abilities that they have they would probably be able to find me in like two turns but they were kind of just walking around and looking around so um I guess I would encourage people to read their skills and see yeah, what they do. do. But do basically the special, the, the special powers are like one is this wolf man and he can he can't move as far, so if he only moves a couple spaces instead of four spaces, he can smell and then he can basically sense if the spy is within a certain radius around him. Um there's another one who can control the car remotely and the the car has a homing beacon that basically the Spy has to say if he's north, south, east, or west of where the car is parked at the moment. So that's a really good way to get a rough estimate of what quadrant of the board um, the spy is in if you really are kind of hopelessly stuck. And really, like, once you figure out the coordinate or the the quadrant, you mm-hmm. can start really, like, pinchering in, pincering right. in, and, uh, but as and a really spy, making it tight. It's not hopeless. To, it's not hopeless, can, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you have these cool pieces of gear, but you they have limited uses, whereas the hunters have infinite uses of all their powers. The spy gets like three or maybe even two smoke grenades or one use of the, uh, yeah, it's the either stealth one, gear or whatever. I think it's once or twice. Yeah, the cards will either can do say anything. you can use this one use or, or twice. And when the spy u- or uses it, a lot of times they have to tap the card in the parlance of magic, you know, turn it sideways to say, I'm using this ability. Mm-hmm. The spies don't, or the hunters don't know what it is, but they know that something was done. So there is like, you know, if they were watching this road and then I say, I'm going to use this ability and now I'm done moving, they could say, well, he could have just used the stealth thing and gotten right past us. Right. You know, or he might have used the one that lets him move one extra space. And I so he could be further. That you, you have to reveal too. Yeah, there are some you have to reveal, like the smoke grenade, because yeah. a giant canister of smoke grenade just got you, released on the yeah, map. Yeah, <laughs> you, you would see that. Yeah. But I also was going to say about this game, so this is a game that I learned over the internet. Mm-hmm. You taught me this over the internet, and it is one of, in my opinion, one of the more pleasant to play over the internet games. Because yeah, because all one I person needed, just needs a worksheet. Yeah, you just need the worksheet. And I, and I played both sides with the worksheet. So mm-hmm. it's, even though I... 
highly recommend. I got to see the real board game when I visited. It's beautiful, and I think it's worth. In fact, I wouldn't mind having it and playing that way. You know, so you could just kind of shout across the. We wouldn't even need to like. You don't even need to see each other's boards. You just tell each other coordinates. Yeah, you just tell each other. I'm at G7. I'm at right F15 or whatever. Yeah, so it's really easy to communicate. Um, It's really good. I also the game is really pretty easy to explain. And once you explain the movement, there's really not a lot to it. You basically can move four spaces. And there's a couple abilities that each character gets, but otherwise it's just move and possibly use one of your abilities. But there's not a lot of fiddly rules besides that. Yeah, but but it's also, despite that, it's it is still really fun and you never you don't get bored playing it. It's, it's almost, it feels like there's a lot of close calls and I I always feel like you're puzzling over it a lot, you know? Yeah. It's really good. And I also like it because as a teacher, I can play the spy and teach it to four people who all get to play basically a co-op game because it's one Mm -hmm. versus many. So Mm -hmm. they're all working as a team to try and outsmart me and I'm trying to do my best to stay away from them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can, uh, I can just introduce it to people really easily because it's it's not super competitive. It's kind of them versus me, but it's not four people all going for each other's throats. It's like they're all working on a team. Although they're kind of like bad guys, I feel like I've, I'm pretty sure that the the hunters are the bad guys. Although the spies, well, if don't you're thinking Metal Gear, either. then then you are the good guy as a spy, right? Yeah. yeah. It's all perspective. Well, here's the thing. And um, let's just go into the Metal Gear tangent for one second. The right. <laughs> Once you know it's like Metal Gear, like the board is very blue with these like blown out lights. And it very much reminds me of the um, uh, the setting from the first Metal Gear game. Yeah. Then there is a kind of spidery psychic man who's kind of like Psycho Mantis. There's kind of a a cyber ninja one who's very i can't remember cyber was his name cyber ninja <laughs> you don't know do you? oh from from metal gear from the first metal gear oh gray fox or, yeah gray fox yeah i, I know so cyber he looks ninja. exactly like that and and um yeah they pretty do. much the, character for character you can like be like oh this is exactly like this character from metal gear so right they're all they're all named after like animals and stuff yeah they have, all, yeah and they all have powers that relate to the animal that they're so it, it feels very much like metal gear decoy octopus it's a metal Wait. gear character not a oh i was gonna say that's not in the game <laughs> that's a metal gear yeah um yeah and and the designer himself has says basically i wanted to make metal gear solid the board game and really and they said that oh yeah, that's he, cool he's on record saying that yeah so okay well good job that guy i think you did yeah it's great i love it and it's it's really simple to play i actually played it with my nephews who are on Lindsay's side and they're 11 and 12 or something i don't know they're like yeah. preteen and they really loved it and one of them went out with his own money and bought it immediately after it's definitely one of those all right uh my last game this is my last board game already all right um i played this on thanksgiving i chose to talk about skull which at one point was on record for being your favorite game of all i haven't ranked you them since so i guess it's still games. as on record we'll see we'll see if it's still there but so Skull is a really, really simple and really, really short game that it's so simple, in fact, that before I owned a copy of it, I made my own set 
out of some coasters that I found in a Chinese hotel because I wanted to teach. I was on a work trip and I wanted to teach everyone how to play. So yeah, and legend has it that's how this game originally originated. Mm-hmm. It was a supposedly a biker game that bikers would play in bars in and bars. they would use coasters and they would just write an X on one of them. Right. And basically every player just needs four coasters, four identical coasters, one with an X on the back. And that's all you need to play. So I play it sometimes at workshops and I just grab postcards and I play it with postcards and yeah. I just draw an X on one of the postcards. And uh, it's actually really simple. The key is to, is keeping the coasters nice. That was the problem I had was the coasters I was using were really cheap. Yeah. But the nice thing is, despite the fact that it currently, I think, is out of print. No, um, it's back in print now. Remember? Oh, it is good. Good. Okay. Well, at the time when I wanted to buy it, it was out of print. And the only place I could find it on eBay for 50 bucks. And that's twice what it's cost, I think, retail. But anyway, and, and then you found it. And so now I have it. Um, so each player gets four coasters. One of them has a skull on it and three of them have flowers on it. So sometimes they call it skull and roses, I think. It used right? to be called skull and roses. Now it's just skull. So you play your coasters with the flowers and skulls side down and you go around in the circle. Everyone puts down a coaster. They know what's on it. Obviously no one else does. At some point, once everybody's put down one, you're allowed in a circle again to either put down a coaster or say that you can flip over X number of coasters. Um, the next player, after the person who makes a guess at how many they could flip, can either flip more coasters or say pass. So it goes around the circle. Everyone has to either say they can flip more coasters than the last person or pass. And then the last person that it comes back to. So for instance, if the first person who said I can flip four coasters is also the last person who made a a guess they have to actually flip four right the last person the last person who didn't pass well yes last once person. everyone else has passed the person who's left has to flip all the coasters that they declared and the one rule for flipping is that you have to flip all of yours first so it's tricky because well you, you didn't mention that flipping a flower is fine if you flip right. a skull you instantly lose so yes so you and cannot you- flip a skull including your own including your own. Um, it's tricky because, it, it, of course, immediately you'd think, well, why would I bid if I have skulls? But you're trying to, it's a bluffing game, so you're trying to get other people to think that you're safe and that you don't have any skulls in your stack. Um, and the other reason that it's kind of, it's, it's really quick because you only need two points to win and you get a point by guessing correctly how many you can flip. So if you actually flip four, then you've already half, you're halfway to winning. Yeah, once if, person, once per, somebody has one point, that's like they're the number one target because they are about to win the game, basically. Right. So you might even you might say you can flip some to try to coax other people in flipping because you you don't want them to correctly guess. And the higher the number that you have to guess, you know, the chances of losing are greater. If you lose, you have to discard a random coaster from your stack of four including like it could be any of them you don't get to choose which one is lost so it's kind of crappy if you lose your skull right away Mm -hmm. um but it becomes very very difficult and felicia and i when we were playing lost our skulls or lost our coasters really fast because we had the tendency to gamble really quick because we were trying to coax people into doing it and then we would flip and lose but 
it's a really fun game. I love how fast it is. And it's it's one of those games, too, that if you have a space of time, like we, I find that here when we're playing games, we oftentimes are waiting for somebody mm-hmm. to play like a bigger game. So it's a nice game to stick in between other games and say, oh, this will take two seconds. And then after you play it once, everybody wants to play it again because it's so fun. But yeah, it's, it is one of my favorite games. I have it ranked. It, I, I have it ranked so high because yeah. it is like so simple, simple and clean. And, and, and I always tell people when I'm teaching them, I'm like, I'm going to explain this game. You are not going to even think it's a game. But then we're going to play it and then you're going to see how it is a game. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. That's totally true, though, because in, I, I was trying to explain it in China on that trip and I was explaining it and they're like, that's a game. And I'm like, you guys, you, you don't understand. You can't even. You just have to tell them how to play it and then do it. And then once everyone does it once, they're all like, oh, you, the and first time been. I'm like, I can flip five. And they're like, I can do six. And I'm like, OK. And then they flip mine and it's a skull. They're like, what? You said you could flip five. And I was like, I know I did. And then they... <laughs> All of a sudden, like a look of recognition crosses their face and they're like, I understand. But it is, uh, people have okay. described it as poker without the cards. It's just pure bluffing. It's just pure. I also, I, I will try and describe without using vulgar language. But when I tell people, it's basically staring someone in the eye and being like, F you. <laughs> I can do it. And then it's just kind of, it's it's like a game of chicken kind of. It is. And it's just the right length and right it if it was any longer, if it was more than two points, I think it wouldn't work as well. But because it as soon as somebody else gets a point, the stakes are raised really fast. Really I'm a high. huge fan of games with two points. Yeah, me too. I think I am too. I don't know how many I have, but I the other one that I can think of is Welcome to the Dungeon, which I almost put on this list. But that I'm one also has two points. And it's it's actually people have described that one as skull with a <laughs> skull with a game on it so <laughs> skull with a game on it well yeah skull is it's it's still a game it's just a really quick no and i mean and if i had to pick one i probably would pick skull because i think it's, it's more purely bluffing and and in and in welcome to the dungeon there is a little bit more of a game so you can kind of fall back on that i guess or do the math a little bit more whereas in skull it's just like is this person st- stupid enough to have put his skull down and raise me this high or are they too are they brave enough to do that or did they not do that at all so and it's fun when the tentativeness because the first time you play with people who've never played everyone everyone's gonna be too afraid to bid and nobody's gonna understand how important it is to make sure the person with one point doesn't get another point yeah but after you play it once everybody's everybody's completely in and it's awesome so love that game. Definitely. Yeah. I think that everyone should play that game. Whether Just do they it right buy it. now. Although the copy that you have is beautiful. I will point out it that everyone beautiful. I play Skull with is always just like, this is an amazing looking game. It basically is just a box of coasters for 25 bucks. Right. But but the artwork is worth it. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's not even that. I mean, the artwork is pretty good, but it's, it's, it's just like a very cohesive, really well-designed package. Yeah, I, well, I feel like, and it is, it's one of those things, too, where if it wasn't that artwork with that game, I probably wouldn't care about it, about the artwork. But the thing about it is, is it's so perfect. And it's also, I I do love, and everybody loves looking at the themes of the skulls, because each one is like, 
each set of coasters is themed. Yeah, one is like a Norse skull, Norse, like a so Viking like skull, Vikings. and then there's it has flowers that dead. match. Yeah, and then there's a Day of Dead one that has flowers that match. So each yeah. one has like kind of a theme to it, each yeah, little scheme. set of four or whatever. So it's very charming. And also it's – and this this is one problem that I had with my cheap cheapo version that I made with – Your uh, jank copy. Yeah, my janky Chinese coaster copy. The thing is like it, they need to be sturdy. Like you have to – because if you – if one mark is on them, it's – then you're going to have somebody who's like that one with the stain on it has a skull on it. Like it requires them to be really sturdy. And these coasters are really sturdy. Could probably yeah. drive over them with a bus and they'd be fine. So yeah, they're great. Awesome. Skull, yeah. I, I I have maybe someday we'll talk about the method that I got to my top ten games or whatever with, which is yeah, really you should cool. because we need to do it again. To see what you're yeah. Game well, maybe if we ever do that, I will explain how because that's a really cool method and it and and the way that I did it, you kind of it makes no presumptions. You don't start going in and being like, this is my top game. It should be in my top 10. It's basically just comparing two things at a time. And then that makes these piles. And then you compare two at a time and it makes more piles. And then eventually you basically make a, a flow chart up to the top. Um, and skull was a surprise. Like I got to my number one game and I was like, Oh, it's skull. And then I was like, you know what? It is skull. This <laughs> actually worked. <laughs> uh, but the only thing that's hard is by now think about how long it's going to take you to do that yeah i know well like, writing those slips of paper ugh. i'll just use like the board game geek xl export thing or something maybe but there's a way I'll to do it what that is later i don't know what that is i think you I can just... export your game collection on board oh, game okay. geek okay anyway okay you have a you have a game left so maybe. i have one game left and this game is a very non-traditional game but I think because of its non-traditionalness, it would make a really fun game that pretty much any family member could get into. Uh, and you haven't played it, and it is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. I haven't played it, but I own it. I know, and, and I can't believe you haven't played it. I've owned it for longer it. than you. <laughs> I know, you have. Well, technically, haven't you owned it for like a million years? Because your parents yeah. had that copy, or did they just find no, it? No, no, no. It? it was a gift from Roxy, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yep, yep. And she found it at a, what is the name of it? I think it's called Tidal Wave. It's a used bookstore. And sometimes she'll find cool stuff there and she'd find books and stuff. But she sent me that because Roxy and I are both a fan of Mysteries and Sherlock Holmes. And like I, I had it and I've been meaning to play it, but it's you'll talk more about it. But it's one of those things where you kind of want to save it for a special occasion. Right, and that is, yeah, you do want to save it for a special occasion. But um, it's in really good shape. And it's also like the is I think it's the original what is it seventies or it's probably eighties yeah eighty printing of it something eighty two maybe or so something. I treasure it yeah so it is it's the oldest game we're talking about for sure mm-hmm. um, but it's very non traditional because what you get with Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is you get ten booklets each is a case case one through ten I think there's ten I should pull it off my shelf to see it but um, you get these ten cases which are just booklets full of paragraphs of text, basically. You get a map of London, circa whatever year Sir Sherlock Holmes was around. You get a little tiny, not telephone book, because they didn't have telephones, but um, directory of London that has the names of everyone in London. Oh, of course, it's probably abbreviated, because there's a lot of names. There's probably like a thousand names, but 
you know, I'm sure there was more than a thousand people in London at that time. And you also get a newspaper. Uh, well, you get, sorry, a, you get 10 newspapers, one for each day of each case. Um, and when you get a case, you read the introductory page of text that basically is just the setup to the case. And it's written kind of in a storybook format where it says Sherlock Holmes was sitting in his lounge. You don't play as Sherlock Holmes. You actually play as one of the, what are they? Baker street boys or something? Yeah. Uh, Baker Street regulars. Yeah, the ba- ba- yeah, that that guy. Those guys. <laughs> <laughs> and you are playing with one of those. So Sherlock Holmes is kind of giving you things to do. Um, but he ultimately always figures things out before you. Uh and he basically runs down the case and says, This person was murdered, here's what we know so far. And then you're just set free in the game. And you have to decide what leads to investigate. And you figure out what leads by just saying, okay, well, the name of the character was this. Um, let's look that name up in the phone book. Or you could say, well, you know, the body, this, this happened to the body. Let's find the coroner and go see what the coroner has to say. So you're using the phone book. You're also looking through the newspaper just for, you know, there might be something that's just kind of offhandedly in the newspaper that is important. Um, maybe you learn that a French embassy guy is in town and this was a French guy and you're like, Oh, this might link up somehow. Uh, and every lead you want to investigate has an entry in the case book and it might be totally useless. It might be very important, but the game does a really good job of making everything. Usually things aren't incredibly obvious. It is a very difficult game yeah. i guess i would so, say this is what i've heard and i you know i might play it this weekend i really really want you to play just, it i mean i've played through the I'll first, do the first cases one. yeah so um, um so really all you need is is a group of people sitting around you just give them access to but the how phone many book. people though do you think as many as you wanted but do you do you, what do you feel is ideal because i mean i think that two is great i played it i play it with Lindsay. we go to a coffee house we sit there and it takes us like a long time and we sit there and we say, okay, why would this guy even do that? Why would he be there? Should we go investigate that? And, and the scoring mechanism for the game is how many places did you visit? And then like, let's say you, you investigated all leads every time you go to a different location or, or kind of investigate a different thread. Um, basically every time you have to open the book and go to a new kind of chunk of text, you mark down that you did that. And then at the end of the game, it gives you a, a test and here's like, who did it? Uh, what did they, you know, it, it varies for diff- every case, but it's like, what did they do it with? Um, you know, who was behind it? Uh, and some of the questions are also just kind of like general, not necessarily having to do with the case, but it's like, I'm trying to, I don't want to spoil it by saying one of them for real, but it may, it might be like, how could a interested party make $10 on a Saturday? <laughs> which is similar to a real question that's in there. And it's just like, did you pay attention enough? Did you kind of figure out what this might mean? And it might mean nothing to you and you just don't answer it or you just take a wild guess. Um, But you answer these questions and then you compare them to the actual answers. And if they're right, then you get a certain amount of points for that. But Sherlock Holmes always has all the right answers. And he also (laughs) got them in a certain amount of steps. And like, let's say the first case took me 26 steps but I did get all the right answers, which is true. I don't know if it took 26, but it took a lot. It took like between 20 and 30 steps, but I did get all the right answers. 
And then I saw Sherlock Holmes and he did it in seven. So there is a way logically to work through this case in seven steps. I just didn't do it. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. I'm curious if having read, did you wait, have you read Sherlock Holmes? Stories? I have not. I, do you think it will help? Probably not. Huh? Not really. No. It really doesn't have anything to do with the fiction. They're totally made up everything. Sherlock yeah. Holmes is just, he doesn't really participate. You just kind of usually start the story well, there and end the story there. And I also, I kind of suspected it wouldn't because one thing that Sherlock Holmes stories are notorious for is that the conclusions that he comes to sometimes are not plausible for human beings to come to. Like, right. like you're like, what? Whereas this game would not work very well if, if that was the case. Mm-hmm. So, but it was I'm, it was really great, you know. The and you could just sit around and give everyone access to everything, and you'd read them the opening story, and then you just discuss and you say, you know, I think it might be worth checking out what the coroner has to say. And someone else is like, but we haven't investigated the scene of the crime. There was this name in the newspaper I found that might be important, um, you know. And everyone can just put forth their. So that's what Lindsay and I do, and we spend ninety percent of the time playing this game just like talking about why we might want to go down one route over another, or if it would even be worth going to this location. Um, you can actually use the math to map out distances and things like that. There's basically a, a chart that says, you know, it's like one of those little measurement things. Yeah. It's like a, a map guide. Of- so you can see that how long it would take somebody to cross London. And if somebody says I was here at 1030 and then you measure it out and you're like, if they were here for work and then they were here at 1030, then there's no way they could have made that. So you actually can use, um, the materials for that way you can use the dates and just like like every little tiny thing could be important but at the same time there is so much fluff and like backstories and things that don't matter that it is really hard to parse what is really important in this case i will give a tiniest bit of spoiler there was basically a an affair that i came across in one of the cases and i was like oh this must be important but it wasn't it didn't have anything to do with anything. It was just, mm-hmm. it just so happened that one character was having an affair and that, it probably yeah. happens in more than one case because I feel like that is just a thing that happened all the time in Victoria, yeah. England. So, <laughs> well, it's also a nice to have red herrings. Like it wouldn't be good if it wasn't red yeah. herrings. Like that's, that's very, that's also very common in shock home stories. So you said you played two cases. Um, I'm working on the third one. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel the, f- once you did the first one, did the second one come more naturally? Um, it was a little bit more clear. No, I, I mean, it did come more naturally that I understood the process of how the game worked, which is not yeah. very complicated because there's really not that many yeah. rules. But, there's not, but I mean, like your strategy, I guess there's not really strategy, but you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I guess I don't know. I it's This is one of those games, I for real, I need to play it this weekend. It was, because, it's not easier. I'll tell you that. We yeah. did not have an easier time. <laughs> for sure yeah so i i would say it's not something i mean i think they just do a really solid job writing it um and it, it probably really hinges on that because it's not the obvious thing but it could be you know like if somebody's like oh uh, they died and the wife is going to inherit all the money did the wife do it i don't know <laughs> It's not obvious one way or the other. It's It could, like, they wouldn't just totally be like, well, she's not going to be the one because everyone expects that one, but they also wouldn't be like, well, she's the obvious one, so she's the one who did it. So you kind of have to 
wrestle wow. with that. And they definitely throw in areas where you're like, oh man, she must have done it in other areas where you're like, hmm, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. So it really makes you, and uh, when we play this game, we also have an open notebook. And usually by the end of the case, we have like five pages. to six pages of notes. Yeah. I believe it. It really feels like homework. I know you said that. I remember when you played the first case and you said that it felt like homework. And I was like, that sounds like I love it. I love it. But at the same time, I'm just it it drains you a lot. So I always want to make sure to play it when we have a nice Sunday, which is why it's perfect for the holidays, because you just want a nice day to sit down and come to it and then come back to it. We played at a coffee house and then we went and did stuff and then we. Um, played it again before bed and we actually ended up solving it so it, overall it took us like five or six hours or something yeah well, is that see because that's kind of how i think i'd play it too it's just kind of coming back it's like a puzzle mm-hmm. but is that a problem or do you think that's better to do it that way i would I mean, say i don't know i don't know. it's totally up to you if you take good notes and you can remember then it's fine to play that way okay i probably am fine i usually I am the person that like reads like three books and then picks one up, up that I haven't read after three months and continues reading. Yeah, I so think I think you'll really like it. And I think because it really is, it's the most, it's like Encyclopedia Brown, Encyclopedia Brown on like super crack. Yeah. Like Encyclopedia Brown, you're like, oh yeah, okay, I solved that. But yeah. with this one, you're, it's like a real brain burner you're taking real notes you're having real discussions and by the end of it you're just like i i remember distinctly all the things that happened it's really good like and i think you could play it with anyone you could play with your parents you could play it with your grandparents uh everyone could kind of put in their two cents there's no rules to learn it's really just like listening and picking up on important things and you know reading a newspaper and reading a and maybe looking flipping through a directory Okay, one so, more question about it. Yeah. If I play it, some of it now and then start, I bring it home because my parents also love mysteries. If I said, okay, we're starting in case three, would they have that. a hard time? Okay. Because no, I know you, you, that. you said The only thing about, that matters is the newspapers are fair right. game once they happen. So in the first case, it's an early date. So only the first newspaper is available. But something in the first newspaper might be relevant for something in the eighth case. So as you go on, the only thing that gets added is the newspapers kind of pile up. Okay. So they if if they ended up reading all of the newspapers up to that point, they'd have all the information they needed. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Good. Yep. That and the, the only problem with it is you once you've done it, you can never really do it again. Yeah. That's why it was makes it such a Yeah. And it makes it such a melancholy thing to do it because you're like, what great fun. When this is over, it's over forever. <laughs> Do you think they'll make another one? I know it's old, so it's It's really not. old. I don't think so. I know there is a guy on Board Game Geek who's making his own. So Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I guess it really depends on how quality his is. Is going Sherlock to be. Holmes in the public domain? Yeah. It is? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so awesome. That's why I it's didn't... so around everywhere. Yeah. I mean I just thought people bought stuff. That's cool. Good. Good. Then then maybe they will make more. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our incredibly long list of games. Maybe I will leave it there. Yeah. We had a couple other discussions we wanted to get through, but I think, I think we'll save it. Save it for another day. Yep. Save it for another day. I'm amazed at how long we talked about games. Well, here, I'm going to say really quickly, if you're traveling, can you recommend me one 
board game iPad iPhone app to sure. play. Sure. I'm recommending Summoner Wars. Summoner Wars? Okay. But I for real want to save talking about Summoner Wars for another day because I love that game. Okay. Well, that's a bad pick then. But basically, oh. Summoner Wars oh. is a head-to-head battling game kind of similar to a magic kind of, but not really. And we can yeah. talk about it again some other day. But check out Summoner Wars. I also love Summoner Wars. It's a really good app and a really good board game. Um, yes. And I prefer it as a board game, yep. but the app is a really good app. Yes. Um, and what I guess I have, I actually just organized, and you'll like this, I just organized my iPad into... Because um, you got a new iPad. Because I got a new iPad, which I, I accidentally did that bidding thing I was talking about and, and got a little overzealous on eBay, and I got a new iPad. Um, <laughs> which that's, I think that's fine. It was I don't the know. first time I've stumbled into ownership of a new iPad, but... Um, but I organized all my, cause it has more memory. So I was able to install all the things I wanted and, and I was like putting things in folders and I was like, this is worker placement. This is four X. This is a drafting game. And then, I, and then I was like, yeah, but this one could be in this one. And this one is a co-op game, but it also has worker placement. And then eventually I was like, whatever, I'm just going to do it in alphabetical order. So I arranged, I took them all out of the folders and I have all my board games laid out in alphabetical order. Um, so they're really easy to look at and, and I can see all of them all the time. It's really great. Uh, I liked, I liked the theory of organizing the folders cause I am kind of an organization lover and as far as that goes, but, uh, it just never worked out. So I put them all out there and it looks beautiful. Um, and I think for this one, and I, oh, I was going to say now that I have them all laid out there, there's 20 to the page and I have f- five pages of them. Of just the board uh-huh. game apps. So I got a lot of board games on here. Um, That's but amazing that you can fit that many on there. I could fit way more than that too, yeah. but um, I have a mini and I can't fit that many games. But I also have very big games. I think Hearthstone takes up a lot of space. Well, I have, yeah. Well, it, I can fit them all and I can fit plenty more, which is one of the reasons I wanted a new one. But the game I'm going to recommend is Infection, Humanity's Last Gasp. Oh, yeah. Have you played that one? No, but I remember you playing this game. Yeah. Is this the, is this the one? Is this the virus one? Uh, yeah, it is. So okay. hu- in, it is a board game, and it's actually a um, Victory Point. Well, what is the name of it now? Victory Point Games, um, which is a very interesting board game company. They're, they've been around for a long time. They make a lot of solo games, but they also make a lot of war games, all sorts of different games. Um, But Humanity's Infection, Humanity's Last Gasp is a game, a solo game they came out with. Um, And they recently-ish, kind of maybe six months or a year ago or something, put out Infection, the app. And it is a game that sounds in concept similar to Pandemic, where you are trying to cure these um, viruses and mu- kind of like these mutating viruses. Um, but it is a much more uh, s- zoomed in view of what's happening. Uh, you are running a lab where you're trying to cure these diseases. You're buying equipment to help you. You're buying, you're staffing up, which gives you different abilities. Um, and you basically are looking at a, a Petri dish of a strain of disease basically and it's mutating every turn so you're kind of dealing with that but you're trying to 
um, just kind of put together these combos to to cure the disease. And that's really all it is, but it's a is really it kinda- clever game. Um, really pretty easy to pick up, but it has a lot of, uh, it just has a lot to it. I really, I really like it. And it actually makes me want to get the board game as well. Cause I only have it on the iPad app right now. Would you say it's strategy and tactics? Yeah, it's like a, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of a puzzle game okay. because you're gonna- looking at these, you know, these strains of viruses and you're trying to make these, I think what you're supposedly trying to do is like sequence DNA, which then once you do that, you know, the key to destroying a certain, um, strain of the virus and, and, but it keeps mutating. So it starts out as a, but it might switch to B and you've kind of got this cluster of them in the center of the Petri dish and you can only destroy ones that are on the outside. So you kind of have to work your way into the inside ones. Um, I don't know. I really like it. It took me a second to learn, um, because I didn't really know what to expect when I got into it. But once I did, I actually have a lot of fun playing it. It's pretty hard. I don't win often, but I do win. So that's good too. <laughs> um, yeah. I I also like games that I don't win often because then it gives me a reason to play again. I also think it's a really funny kind of comparison to the board game because the victory point games has interesting production. They use a actual laser cutter that makes their components uh, have kind of a sooty ash on them. So Victory Point Games is known for giving you a, like a napkin or kind of this like towel. With Wait, seriously? Game. Yeah, so you can like clean the soot off of your components and things like that. So it's That's pretty, really funny. And they give you like cardboard boxes that are like almost like Amazon shipping boxes or something like that. Uh-huh. But then they have a slipcase sleeve that goes over it with the cover art. So it's got like a slipcase that has the cover art for the game and then you slide that off and then it's just a brown cardboard box with a big victory point games logo stamped on the front. I love it. So I do love it too. It's very charming. Um, And so I don't know. I just think that is very funny, but the app itself is really slick and obviously had a lot of production into it. So um, just knowing how the original game was and then seeing how this turned out, I thought it was a really interesting um, because there's a lot of, games out there that are really good but have some pretty jank graphic design um as far as the ipad conversions go but yeah um, humanities infection humanities last gap is definitely something that i like to pull out when i'm on when i'm like home alone and everyone else has gone to bed because everyone goes to bed so early so yeah i guess we'll save the rest for later and yeah, so much more to save <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it was good to chat with you, and hopefully you will enjoy the rest of your holiday, and I hope your Mysterium goes over well with your family. I'm, I'm excited about Mysterium, and I'm excited about Sherlock Holmes' game now. Yeah, you should be. I Two hope you do play games. it. I've been waiting for you to play it forever. We, we're going to play it together, and then yeah, and then, then you moved away. And then we still could play it together, but right. now I then we just have to so sit you... on Skype for five hours. Well, we just do it in pieces. So wait, you're you're in case three, so I need to get... get through case three yeah yep okay and maybe i'll solve case three before you maybe (laughs) probably not not, though um yeah so if you want to recommend us any board games or if you just want to email us we can always talk to us at podcast at lightgrayartlab.com you can find us on twitter at lightgrayartlab 
You can like us on Facebook and find out about all the cookie parties and upcoming openings there. And you can also find us on Tumblr, lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. And we'll be retumbling lots of stuff from the process and pieces from the Bowerbird show that's opening. You can also stream the show on Stitcher Radio or download it from the iTunes Music Store. All right. Thanks a lot, Francesca. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. I'm recommending Summoner Wars, but I for real want to save talking about Summoner Wars for another day because I love that game. Okay, well, that's a bad pick then, but basically Summoner Wars is a head-to-head 